Gracious God and Father, we thank you today for your hope, for your promises. Lord Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We're thankful you chose us before the world was created. We're thankful that we can be called your sons and daughters. I pray for the families that are mourning from their losses, but also celebrating that they're in your presence. Father, we all look forward to that. And I pray today as we share the word, as we bring prayer requests, as also answers to prayer before you, Father, just help us to be in tune with what you want to lead us today to apply to our lives that we become more and more like Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and will do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want to welcome you all again to our Faith Builders class, and we'll get into our study. Joy is sought by everyone, and most of the time it's elusive, seems to be just beyond our grasp. The world shouts for joy if they were Patriots fans, that great comeback in our latest Super Bowl, are the Cubs fans who uh, uh, were jubilant after they won the World Series after I believe it was a 108-year drought. Yet the world isn't sure what joy is all about. Webster defines joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, to experience great pleasure or delight. And synonyms include, I like this one, crow, delight, or jubilate. We sing the children's song, I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. So we have all the reminders of what joy is. God's word says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Jesus proclaims in John 17, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. First Peter 1.8 tells us, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. David declares in Psalm 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. God's timing is amazing. Pastor Joe, we need to remember in prayer, but he's been doing our study in 1 Peter, and now he's addressing our relationship with each other. And over the past month, God has directed me to a passage that shares the true joy that we can have as we relate to one another in God's family. Isn't it great to be in the family of God? We were reminded on Friday and Saturday of the joy that we have looking forward to that blessed hope. God's Word tells us, and we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. God's Word tells us in Philippians 1, five ingredients of true joy as it relates to our brothers and sisters in Christ. How can we have true joy as we uh, intermingle with our brothers and sisters in Christ? We're going to look at verses 3 to 8 specifically, but just to get the context, uh, let's begin at verse 1, Philippians chapter 1, and we'll read 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The first ingredient that we're going to look at, and this again, we're going to look specifically at Philippians 1, 3 to 8, the first ingredient in having true joy toward one another is shared in verses 2 and 3, especially verse 3. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. The first ingredient is remembering each other. When we think about each other, all the years that we've built bridges, that we've gone through tunnels together, that we've seen God work, when we think of Different people, it should bring back a good memory. Paul says, I thank my God. It's a personal level that, that God has brought us together in a way, sometimes through trials, sometimes through joyful events, but brought us together, what? Because all those events bind us closer together. He said, on every remembrance of you, when Paul thought of those in Philippi, he might have brought a tear or two as he thought about the memories and the, and the situations they had shared together. I recall in my own life my grandfather, Ed, who shared his faith. And one thing about my grandfather, and I'll just do a little sidetrack for a moment, he was like a second father to me. We learned to golf together. We learned double 12 dominoes. Anybody ever do that? Double twelves? Boy, you've got to really look at all the dots. We learned chess together. He was like a second father to me, but he spent every day, he spent two to three hours in prayer. He was a prayer warrior. And I remember every Sunday he'd go to the pastor and he'd say, you got a list for me? And I will pray for those this week. And I would hear him praying. And just uh, to let you know, he had a big impact on my life because at one time I was going up the steps, he had a little room upstairs, real narrow stairway, I can still picture it. I heard him praying and he was praying for me. And he was praying that I would consider somewhere down the line, consider a call to ministry. I thought, oh boy, uh, wow, you pastor, they, they talk about him too much at meals and and, and if he's not doing enough visiting, you know, they're, they're kind of like a time card. And I'm thinking, whoa, no. And so I dismissed it at the time, but I don't, 
I know how God works. He has a purpose in everything that he does. And I remember his example, his selfless example. He was always helping people. If they had a need, he was over there doing what he could to help them. Well, Paul encountered Lydia when he first visited Philippi back in Acts 16. And she accepted the gospel message, and that's how the church started in Philippi. And so Paul was thinking of these remembrances, I'm sure, of all the times that he had that he shared with those in Philippi. John MacArthur shares this about the joy Paul felt. He says, True joy is an unwavering constant in a spirit-filled life, not a transient emotional feeling that comes and goes depending on circumstances. It's the joy of the Lord for each other. That God wants us to have. As I near retirement at the sheriff's office and the mission God has given me there at the jail, I recount even this past couple of weeks a tear or two as different inmates and some of them coming back into the jail. <laughs> and I don't know, I guess, I know God orchestrates it all, but I remember one inmate coming back in the jail and I said, Eric, you're back again. He said, yeah, but when I come here, he said, I get the word. And I'm thinking, whoa, you don't need to go to jail to get the word. <laughs> but praise God, you know, his word is effective. And I know Doug would attest to that. There's men there that come and go, but God orchestrates it all. And opening God's word, what a privilege, what an honor to do that with them. So I remember our times at Lakeside. I recall with affection the first time helping in Sparks with Rich and Susie. All these kindergartners running around there trying to get order here, trying to redirect them, all that energy. I remember that's a good memory that I have with them that we share. And I think Paul thinks back with that as well. Uh, I remember uh, meeting Joe T. for the first time as her youngest son, Jason uh, married Becky. I remember seeing him in the back uh, of the uh, auditorium there during the, uh, during the wedding, meeting him, the solid handshake of Dennis. The privilege to see men of God use their final days on earth for serving God and saying, to God be the glory. I've had this amount of time. I praise God for every day. One thing I try to bring across at the jail with the men that I see, we only have today for sure. And I said, wake up in the morning and say, God, thank you for today. Help me to serve you. Help me not to waste it. Help me to do what you want me to do today. Because we don't know who's watching. And we live in a world desperately need Jesus as their personal Savior. So we have the privileges of remembering each other as life goes on, those things that, that we look back and say, well, I didn't know I'd remember. Well, God, I think, brings it to remembrance. Those times that we share the challenges as well as the good times. Paul likely remembered the time in Philippi when Silas and he were thrown into jail because a demon-possessed girl was delivered and her owners didn't like that. They were making money off of her. And here now she had the demons delivered and they didn't like it. And so it says in Acts 16.40, So they went out of the prison, entered the house of Lydia. This is after they were released. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Here's Paul and Silas encouraging the brothers and sisters when they had just been in prison. 
That's keeping eyes on Jesus instead of the circumstances. As Paul remembered the believers in Philippi, he knew of their faithfulness to the Lord and to him. And we need those memories as well. I recall every first of the month, a brother that I have not seen in 17 years since we moved from Colorado, close brother in Christ named Jim. And first every month he sends me an email. And we keep each other accountable through email once a month. How are you doing on your spiritual walk? Where are you in God's Word? How has God been leading in your life? And so we still continue. I haven't seen him in that long, yet I count him as a dear brother. Because I know the times when we were in Colorado that we would meet on a regular basis and we'd just share sometimes prayer requests, but answers to prayer as well. And we'd encourage each other through the Word. You know, God's Word is encouraging. It's there. God's Word, it's His truth, should bring a smile to our face. And I'll share this. I don't have that in my notes, but I'll share yesterday. I was walking around golfing, uh, chasing the ball around. And, you know, I got a double bogey, and I walked off the green. I had a smile on my face. And I was thinking, why do I have a smile on my face? (laughs) You just got a double bogey. You didn't make that putt. It took a three putt. (laughs) And I thought, you know why? Because Jesus is my Savior. He's the one that woke me up this morning and allowed me the privilege to go play golf. So I, I don't worry about the score. I just worry about the enjoyment of what all God has created. And I think that's something I forget often. Second ingredient in obtaining true joy with our fellow believers is in verse 4. It says the following, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. That second ingredient is praying for each other. Can we overdo that? You think God ever gets tired of our prayers when we come before him? Say, Lord, I don't know what to do. My brother here doesn't know what to do. Help him in this situation. Give him your wisdom. Help him through this. And then claim the promises of God's Word. There's so many. I know there's a count. Somebody counted them. I don't know how many there. There's a lot. There's a lot of promises we can claim. And God wants us to go to the Word. Because God's Word is powerful. And when we had our shield of faith up in our left hand, and we had in our right hand the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, when it's penetrated in our lives, it's part of who we are. We can stand up in God's strength. God doesn't want us down laying defeated. He wants us in the battle. And we know the world we live in, that battle gets more intense, it seems like, every day. Praying for each other, that's a promise, and that's a command here that we need to keep. Paul recorded, always in every prayer of mine, he's making requests for those in Philippi. We have booklets we give out at the jail. This is one of them. Jesus' Blueprint for Prayer. I don't know if you ever heard of Haddon Robinson, but he's a very strong Bible teacher. He was a leader of a seminary in Denver. But these are put out by the ones who do the daily bread. And this is one that I give out from time to time because... Inmates don't know how to pray. They say, don't you have to use special words? Don't you have to 
you're the only one who can pray. I said, no, you can pray as a believer. You can pray to God any time and he will hear you. And they can't believe that. But here's what it says in one little part of this booklet. And this is large print, which we actually get some that are large print. So because some of the lighting in the jail isn't the best. So we try to get what we can. George MacDonald offered this rationale for prayer. What if God knows prayer to be the thing we need first and foremost? What if the main object in God's idea of prayer is a supplying of our great, our endless need, the need of himself? Communion with God is the one need of the soul beyond all other need. Prayer is the beginning of that communion, of talking with God, a coming to one with him, which is the sole end of prayer. It should be natural for us to to pray for each other, to pray with our needs, but also pray with our thanks and saying, God, thank you how you work that out. Often God works out things in ways that we didn't plan on. Anybody else have that experience? Say, well, boy, God, I thought it was going this way, and now it's clear over here. But it's a much better way. It's his way, and it's according to his timing. When we as believers have God's joy on the inside, we will pray for others and not just dwell on ourselves. That should be a natural part of our relationship as we uh, grow in our faith. We're instructed throughout Scripture to pray for each other. James 5, 14 and 15, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Our first John 5.14. Now this is a confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. While I was pastoring in Colorado, we had revival meetings, and a man named Abe Penner came to minister, and he had the gift of discernment. And I've not seen it so plain in a brother in Christ uh, that had this gift. You could be talking, and midpoint, I saw this happen, he would say, that's really not right, is it? And it was like, whoa, how does he know if that's right? Or you're not telling me the whole story. I, I know with one couple, they shared that experience. They were talking to him, and, and they weren't sharing with him all of it. And, and about midpoint, he said, uh, now tell me the whole story. I was like, wow. And I thought, God has given this man the gift of discernment, and all I could see what was behind it is he spent seven to eight hours a day in prayer. You ever tried to pray an hour? (laughs) He would spend seven to eight hours, and he had index cards this thick he would go through every day. And he would have those prayer requests written on an index card, and he'd pray for it six months, And then he would write down what the answer was because he knew God would answer. And then he'd get another stack and another stack. This is how he he did on a regular basis. So close with the Lord because he spent time with the Lord. The Lord should be the one we go to immediately. And when a brother or sister is struggling and can't pray and they don't even know the words to say, that's when we get to pray for intercessory prayer for one another. How many here ever need prayer? How many think it's a privilege to pray for others? 
Well, as we get closer in our family, in the body of Christ, we begin to know specific things to pray for. And then we see God answering in a specific way, and when we can praise Him and thank Him. That's one of the privileges we have. Do we ever need our brothers to intercede for us? Maybe an upcoming surgery, bad health report, financial issues, personal habit. Of course we do. And as we get closer, we'll be able to share that, and they will share with us. Do we pray for each other like we should? Is it something that we, comes to our mind when a, when a brother or sister is struggling? Immediately we say, I'm going to pray for you. And one thing that I share with the men at the jail, I share with them as often as I can. When we say we're going to pray for somebody, how many of us do that every time? Okay. Few of us do. How many have good intentions to say, I'm going to pray for you, but then we forget? You know, one thing we can always do, and I, I tell the men all the time in that service, and Doug knows that I do, when we say we're going to pray some, for somebody, we pray in our mind immediately for them when we tell them. Because you know what? God can read our thoughts. And so that's at least a start. We want to pray for them more, but at least we at least prayed for them that one time. And so that helps us to keep our word because God reads our thoughts and he wants us to come to him in prayer. And that brother or sister who's struggling, they need our prayers because believe me, and I know you would attest to this, we can tell when people are praying for us, right? You can tell the difference. You feel alone, but then you know people are praying for you. You can tell because you have the strength of the Lord through those prayers offered on our behalf. Third ingredient, developing true joy toward our family in Christ is shared in verse 5. And it's fellowship with each other. Verse 5, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Fellowship means sharing something in common. We're all sinners saved by grace. Nobody's got a jump on anybody else. None of us deserved it. It's all God's grace. Paul, from a personal level, shares how the church in Philippi had helped meet his financial needs. He was struggling. Nobody was helping him. But then these believers in Philippi heard about it, and they came, and they wanted to help I ran across this this past week as I was looking at this passage. It's called Answers. And this is an inmate's viewpoint. His name is Samuel Minnick. And he's in the Correctional Institute in Ennery, South Carolina. And he wrote this called Answers. Staring out the barred windows of my prison cell, wishing to get out into heaven but sentenced to this hell. Wasting most of my life with the fruits of a crime, prayerfully holding to dreams through this bleak era of time. Wondering if I'll survive once released from this jail. Is there a future for me where I'm not destined to fail? Struggling to remain sane and find some kind of norm. Battling my angels and demons in this self-created storm. Is there no light in this darkness called my life? To help me hang on for myself and my wife. Some say it's God, nature, some omniscient power. Opinions for answers change every minute of every hour. But I've found the truth. In the one 
whose wisdom has sufficed. He's my Savior, my Lord, and he's known as the Christ. God's the answer. We fellowship because we share a common faith. We're all saved out of grace. None of us deserved it. Commentator William Hendrickson shares there are eight areas of fellowship that we share. And I'm not going to go into all eight, but here's a list. Fellowship of grace. Fellowship of faith. Of prayer. Of thanksgiving. Of love. Of service. Of contributing to the needs of others. Separation from the world. And spiritual warfare. Those are all included there. We meet at Lakeside for services that honor and glorify God with the teaching of God's Word being central. But another important part of why we meet is for sweet fellowship. We can't have it with the world around us, so we need it toward each other. Hebrews 10.25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day coming. Encouraging each other. We should be able to do that as we meet together. How many get too much encouragement? How many give too much? Okay, so we have something we can do both ends. Encourage one another. That's exhorting. Saying, you know, God is working. I can see, sometimes we can't see if we're growing in Christ and then a brother or sister says, I can see you're growing. That's encouraging. We need to hear that. Because sometimes it feels like we're going up against the hurricane winds, doesn't it? We're not getting anywhere. God says, I'm going to use brothers and sisters here to help encourage you along the way. We meet for fellowship with other believers at the time of the loss of loved ones, the testimonies uh, this past Friday and Saturday of men who are now with the Lord. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's something we can practice here at Lakeside. And we do. And that's an encouragement. J. Vernon McGee shares, Fellowship means that which believers can share the things of Christ. The things of Christ. An endless list. As we go through God's Word, there's more and more. And the more we dig, the more we learn. And the more we can apply. These believers had been supporting Paul from the beginning of his ministry. Even when he was in prison, they were encouraging him. When we're ready to write somebody off, we need to remember God didn't write us off, but by grace he saved us. As we fellowship with one another, we'll soon realize we need each other. Thursday service at the jail, these men, some of them are in for murder, come to Christ because they weren't written off, but by God's grace and mercy, God saved them. And that's my brother. And so quite often, right Doug, we call them our brothers. We don't say you're inmate so-and-so, docket so-and-so. No, they're brothers in Christ. It doesn't matter, except for the grace of God, any of us could be in that jail on the other side of the bars. Fourth ingredient, true joy toward our brothers and sisters in Christ is in verse 6. For I am confident of this very thing that he who has began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's our anticipation of someday being 
totally delivered our new bodies. John MacArthur shares, salvation is holy God's work, and for that reason its completion is as certain as if it were already accomplished. I like that. You can have confidence like Paul that God doesn't leave his work half done. Look at creation. God will perfect his work in us. Every day he wants to work through us. Galatians 2.20 shares, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. The day of Christ Jesus is that day when each of us as believers will be glorified and our salvation will be completed. New bodies. Some days, it's, when it's hard to get up, I remind myself, as I'm getting older, as we get older, I have places that hurt that I didn't know had place. <laughs> Body just starts to give out. It's just not functioning like it used to. I'm happy to finish nine holes of golf. I used to play 18. Maybe someday I will again. But nine holes, I'm tired. Legs hurt. They didn't used to hurt 10 years ago, but now they do. (laughs) Someday we'll have a body, won't have any of those problems. I praise God for looking forward to that. We must focus or anticipate that someday our salvation will be completed because God started it and he will finish it. J. Vernon McGee says, This is a great verse of Scripture Oh, I have held on to this during many a dark night when the storm outside was beating against my little bark. I like that. My, how wonderful to have my Heavenly Father in these situations. A favorite poem of my sister-in-law who died at the age of 27 after giving birth to their first son. Her favorite poem was The Master Weaver's Plan. And I always remember it. And here's what it says. My life is but a weaving between the Lord and me. I may not choose the colors. He knows what they should be. For he can view the pattern upon the upper side while I can see it only on this, the underside. Sometimes he weaves in sorrow, which seems so strange to me. But I will trust his judgment and work on faithfully. Tis he who fills the shuttle and he knows what is best. So I shall weave in earnest and leave to him the rest. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needed in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. Very powerful poem that reminds us God knows what he's doing. Sometimes we get in the way and we say, God, I don't want that dark thread anymore. God says, you need it now because I want to teach you something. One thing, we never learn enough. And Doug will say, what is it that I ask the man in the service? What is it we never learn about enough? Starts with a P. Patience. Patience. Oh, wow. Don't mention that, John. We don't want to talk about patience because we don't want to wait. God says... You need to wait. How many times in Scripture God says, wait on me? Why? Because His timing is perfect. 
Why? Because it's an opportunity for faith to grow. And if we got everything right away, would we need faith? So patience, that's a tough one. Because we live in a world that's very impatient. But God says, I have all the time that's needed. God's not locked into time. He's eternal. No beginning, no ending. And I'm glad he's patient with me. And I know if we took a poll around today that each of you could attest to, that, that how many times has God shown us patience? Well, we don't deserve it. Say, wow, if I was in God's shoes, I'd have thrown in the towel on, on John. Or I don't want to hear any more of them prayer requests anymore. He's gone over the limit. The line's busy. God doesn't do that. And I praise him for that. The fifth and final ingredient of true joy toward fellow believers is in verses 7 and 8. And that is, we need to have affection for one another. Affection. Not infection. Affection with an A. (laughs) For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness. How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Wow. I don't know what I can really add to that. Except we need to have affection for each other. With all the mountains and valleys Paul and the believers in Philippi had been through, He had a strong affection for them. We too. As we look back at our life, those times when we were walking through the valleys and a brother or sister came over and said, I'm praying for you, and they were praying for you. We share those bridges as time moves on, but we still have those remembrances, those memories, as we relate to one another. And you know, as we relate to one another here on earth as fellow believers... We need to get used to it because we're going to be in eternity, in heaven, all together. Amen? That's the blessed hope that we have that because of what Jesus did on the cross. Paul had affection for these believers. It says, with the affection of Christ Jesus, he genuinely loved them. He was deeply touched how they had supported him consistently and constantly. And this wasn't just a love one time. This was a love that went on and on. That's the love. That's the affection God wants us to have toward each other. What a privilege we have to walk on this earth as part of Lakeside together. That we are blessed with so many things. That we are blessed to be in a church where God's Word is central. And that is so rare. As I shared earlier, if you go around the country, you won't find a lot of churches where God's Word is central. But this is God's truth. This is why we study it. This is why Pastor Steve shares it with us every Sunday because we need it to grow. It's so important. We're to be doers of the Word. Not hear it only, but do it. And God helps us to do it. He doesn't say go off and do it. He says, I'm here to help you do it. So it becomes part of your life. The Holy Spirit gives us a deep love for the brethren that looks beyond weaknesses and it sees a soul that shares salvation. He says, well, they don't do it like me. Praise God. 
We're not all the same. We're not robots. We all contribute to the body of Christ by the gifts God has given us because we need each other. And God helps us to use those gifts to build each other up. The world isn't going to build us up, are they? But God says, I will build you up through your brothers and sisters. That's why we need the local church. That's why we need Lakeside. That's why we need to have affection for one another. Instead of saying, that's a weakness they have, we say, praise God for the strength that they have. And that is that we're all believers, sinners saved by grace. And we all have something to contribute. Biblical examples of those who went through trials together and became close to one another. What about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How close do you think they were? Taken as prisoners of war from their homes. In Jerusalem and Daniel for 70 years, being a prisoner of war, yet remaining faithful. But he had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could share to go through those times. And you know what they kept doing? Odd thing. They kept praying together. Wow. That's kind of novice, isn't it? They prayed together. When something came into their life they couldn't handle, they said, let's get on our knees before God. Let's let him lead us through this so we can grow together. David and Jonathan grew close together. Even though Jonathan's father, Saul, wanted to kill David, David and Jonathan shared affection, God's affection toward each other. Paul and Lydia, who opened her home to begin the church in Philippi. God worked that all together. He orchestrated it. God is God. And you say, well, I don't understand how he does it all. Praise God, because we're not God. We accept it by faith. What about Elijah and Elisha? How close they were. Elisha looked and and God brought down that fiery chariot and Elijah got in and left and, and passed the mantle on to Elisha. But they had grown close together as prophets. And we think, well, that probably was pretty easy being a prophet. No, it wasn't. Because when you went before the people and you didn't have a nice pat you on the back kind of message and said God's going to judge unless you return to Him, that didn't gain you a lot of popularity, would it? But Elijah and Elisha, they walked through a lot together. And they became very close, just like as well here. In my own life, I have a dear brother, Bill, one of my chaplain assistants while serving in the army when we first moved here. I was assigned to a unit. He was the chaplain assistant there. I said, Bill, could you stay on another year because he was going to retire? Can you train this younger assistant? And he stayed an extra year and he got activated. Didn't see him for years. All of a sudden, God brought us back together. Now we meet every month at Chick-fil-A and we share and we're accountable to each other. I love that man. And first thing we do when we see each other, we give each other a hug. I don't know how God orchestrates it all, but he's God. And I thank him for that. That he brought us back together after all those years. I think it was about ten years we didn't see each other at all. And there, about a year and a half ago, he moved back to St. Pete. and I don't even know how it all orchestrated, but we he's a dear brother in Christ. Just retired after 36 years in the Army. 
So that 20 went to 36. (laughs) But God's timing. We need to show God's affection to each other because we share the most important thing, that salvation. That's what we need to share with the world around us. God wants us to have God's joy for each other. includes remembering each other, praying for each other, enjoying fellowship, anticipating the day our salvation is completed, and having affection toward each other. It's a challenging passage. But God says, this is what I want you to be doing toward one another. We can do it in God's strength. And I pray that if you have any area that needs attention, that that's from God. I know he brings that to me. He's brought that to me even in studying this passage. But areas we can work on with his help, that we can serve him even in better ways. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the encouragement that we have that we can have real joy toward each other if we do these things that will bring us closer. We live in a world that hates you. They hate us as well. But Father, through your grace and mercy that we could show the relationship that we have with you is all by your grace and mercy that they too, if nothing else, will be interested to find out more. That you can work on their heart as well. And that according to your will, that they could be saved. Father, I just pray you would draw us closer as brothers and sisters. Help us to live for you even this day. That your name would be honored and glorified in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.